Go Tigers. I had, to, I, had to, I, had, I had to do it, okay? just I had to do it. Just over the next few moments, I am believing and I am trusting and I'm confident, really, that God is going to speak directly to some of us in this room today. There are those of you who have been praying for a long time about some things in your life. You've been believing God to do something significant in your life or in your family. Maybe for that one who has been praying and believing, but you still haven't seen any results yet. Maybe some things you've been praying about for years, and you just haven't seen anything happen. In fact, I know so many people that are praying and believing for a miracle in so many different areas of life. Some who are praying for their children or others uh, to come to a place of faith in Christ. Some who are praying for a breakthrough to overcome an addiction or, or maybe to overcome depression in their life or maybe looking for a financial breakthrough or maybe a relational breakthrough. Some are praying for their marriage and others are standing in the gap for someone else in their marriage and they're praying, God, heal me of this cancer or heal someone that I love of some type of disease. Whatever it is, if you've been believing God for a long time for something significant, and still haven't seen the results, I believe that God is going to minister to each of us today in a special way. Today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 10, but first I want to give a little bit of history and a little bit of context here. Daniel is now an old man. Daniel was in his 80s in the whole Daniel and the Lion's Den saga, and that was a good bit before this reading that we're going to look at today. And Now, literally for decades, Daniel, this man, he has been standing firm in his faith. He's been standing firm in his faith and believing that God would perform some mighty miracles. And if you go back and you read the entire story, King Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the temple and and captured so many young men. And Daniel, for decades, has been praying that God would restore the temple that was destroyed and, and bring deliverance to his people. And there were some signs that this might even actually happen. But all of a sudden, he received a vision for God that it was disturbing to him. And all he could see and all he heard was that as he sought God in prayer, he saw this vision of more war and more hardships. He's been praying for decades for deliverance. And now he sees that there are more hard times that are coming. And it's more than he can actually take. And so what does Daniel do? Daniel did what Daniel always did. And he began to seek God in prayer. He began to look to the Lord. He began to set his heart toward the Lord. And for 21 days, for 21 days, he went on a fast. Many of you have probably heard of the Daniel fast. A lot of churches and a lot of of, uh, folks will, a lot of times right around the first of the year, will go on what they call the Daniel fast. And for 21 days, it's nothing but but, uh, fruits and vegetables. And Daniel fasted for, for 21 days. And it says that he wore no fragrant lotions. And he did not anoint himself. One version says, which means that he didn't take a bath, basically. So for those of you who decide you want to go on the Daniel fast, we're asking you not for all of our sakes. Don't do the total Daniel fast. You can do the fruits and vegetables, but please bathe, okay? For all of our sakes, please do that. At the end of the 21-day period, he had a vision. He had a vision of this angelic being. We don't know for sure, but many theologians and Bible scholars believe that this angelic being was actually the pre-incarnate Christ, 
Uh, Jesus, we know, appeared in the New Testament in bodily form, but, but we know that he existed even from the very foundations of the earth and of the world. And so in the, in the Old Testament, there were certain instances where Christ actually shows up on the scene and appears, and he delivers a word or a message. And so here's the vision. Here's the vision in Daniel 10, verse 5. Here's what Daniel said. He said, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with pure gold. His body was like a precious gem. His, his face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. This sounds a whole lot like John's description in, uh, of Jesus in, in Revelation 19. His arms and feet, bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to, to, to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision. It's really interesting to me that Daniel is the only one who experienced this. He's the only one who saw this vision. The other guys, they could not see it. We don't know for sure why this is, but what we do know is this. There are those times, oftentimes, whenever, whenever God will reveal something to you that he won't reveal to anyone else. There are certain times when God is going to show you or me something individually, and it's not meant for anyone else. In fact, for those of you that's been following Christ for any length of time at all, chances are at some point God has shown you something that he didn't show anyone else. It, it, it could have been maybe in your Bible reading, and just in your everyday Bible reading, and there's that one verse that you've read a thousand times before, but on this day, on this particular day, the words, the message just leaped right off the page, and it became revelation to you, and this time, this time it spoke directly to you in the situation you were going through, and no one else sees the significance. No one else that you talk to understands the power and the revelation of this verse. They say, oh yeah, that's great, because it was just for you. It was your God-ordained word and moment. For some, that might have even happened even this morning in, in our worship service, where you sense the presence of God. And even maybe the person sitting right next to you in the chair right next to you may not have felt a single thing, but it was God's ordained moment designed just for you. Handcrafted by God just for you. It was your moment. It was your word. This is what happened to Daniel the others didn't see it. The others didn't experience it. And I believe there are those in this room today who will have a moment just like that. It might even happen in this service today. A moment where we hear from God and it's like heaven, heaven opens up and God is speaking directly to you in a, in a room crowded with 300 people. But God has this, has this handcrafted, sculpted word just for you. Others around may not experience it or see it or hear the same thing because God has something just for you. It's amazing to me as a preacher, there's other pastors and preachers in the room and they could probably testify to this. There's been days whenever I've had people come up to me or call or text and say, that message today, it spoke directly to me. That was a word that was designed just for me and that makes you feel real good. Man, I was following God and I was hearing the voice of God. I was the instrument of the Lord. And then all of a sudden they start telling you what they heard. <laughs> And I said, wait a minute, I didn't say anything like that. Nothing even remotely in the neighborhood of that. In fact, I don't even agree with that. But God spoke it to you. God had a message for them, directly for them. That's how amazing our God is. He sets up these divine appointments to deliver a word, a message 
that is directly for you, just for you. Daniel has this moment just like this in verse 8, in the middle of the verse, in the presence of this heavenly being, this angelic being, he says, no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. He says, my strength left me. I had no physical strength left. Listen what happens in, in verse 9. Yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Another, another version says that he fainted. In other words, I came to the end of all that I could feel or do physically. I had no more strength left. I was literally prostrate on the floor with my face to the ground, with no strength. Here's the deal. Can I just tell you that the strongest of men cannot bear the weight and the, of the glory and the presence of God. I know many of you, because you've shared it with me before, you've shared some of those very sacred and intimate moments with me before. I've had those moments in the presence of God. There's not, it's not been many times when it's happened just that way. In fact, I could probably count on one hand the number of times, but it's those moments when literally you are physically paralyzed. You, you cannot move and you cannot speak because the presence and the power of God is so real and so strong in that moment. And he's doing a work that's beyond our words, that's beyond what we can do or say. And you literally have no strength in these moments with God. We're completely overwhelmed by his comfort. We're completely overwhelmed by his peace and by his assurance and even sometimes by his conviction. And you just don't want those moments to end. You wish that they could last forever. If you've ever had a moment like that, and let me just say, if you've never had a moment like that, I promise you, if we seek him, we will experience him. And in those moments, in those powerful, intimate moments with Christ, it will transform our lives. We will be changed forever. I told you there's not been many times that I can remember that I had those kinds of moments, but I can tell you that every single time I went down to the floor, one person, and I promise you when I got up off the floor and walked out of that room, I was a different person. I wasn't the same. I was completely transformed by the presence and the power and the glory of God. There may be those who actually have that kind of moment today even. Maybe before you leave out of this room, if today is your moment, you're going to hear something or you're going to experience something and it will move you and you'll leave here transformed. You'll walk out of this building a different person than the one who walked in just a few moments ago because God has something designed just for you. It's yours. Here's the question that we all need to ask ourselves today. How do I stand firm in my faith? When I'm praying and I don't see anything happening. This place that Daniel was as we read this story of his, whenever I've prayed and I've sought God and I don't see anything in the natural actually happening. How do I stand firm in my faith? What do I lean on? What do I, what do I remind myself of in that season, in those moments of time when I'm praying and I'm believing God and I have a great need in situations in my life, but I don't see any results. I don't see anything happening. Three things that we've got to remember when we're standing firm in our faith. Three things. Number one, we must always remember this. God cares more about us than we do. God cares more about you and me 
then we care about you and me. We have to remind ourselves of that. In verse 10, Daniel says, suddenly a hand touched me. The New Living Translation says, it touched me and lifted me. I love that. I love the wording there. It touched me and he lifted me. There's an old hymn entitled, He Lifted Me, and it simply goes like this, from sinking sands, he lifted me with a tender hand. He lifted me from shades of night to plains of light. Oh, praise his name. He lifted me. The hand of God never extends to condemn. The hand of God never extends to beat down. If you feel oppressed today, if you feel condemned or guilty or shameful because of things in your life, I can promise you that's not coming from the hand of God. That's coming from our own past. It's coming from our own voice. It's coming from the voice of the enemy of our soul. But God's hand never extends to condemn. God's hand always extends to lift. He lifted me. The hand touched me, a hand touched me and lifted me. He goes on to say in verse 10, it made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. Verse 11, and he said to me, oh Daniel, man greatly beloved. I, I, I know I keep referencing the New Living Translation, but I just love the, I love the, wor- the verbiage in it. I read from the New King James, but, but the New Living Translation says, you are precious to God. You are precious to God. To God, I love that. I love the sound of that. For some of us, this is our moment. For some of us, this is the kind of moment I was speaking of earlier. For some in this room, this is even why you're here today. You came into this room today to simply hear that. That word was just for you. You are precious to God. It means that you are valuable to God. It means that he loves you with an unconditional love. It means that he cares about you. He cares about you more than you care about you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more, and there's nothing you can do to ever cause him to love you less. He loves you because that's not what he does, but it's who he is. You and I as human beings, as as these natural creatures, we work at love, don't we? Love is a choice. Love is an action. I'm I'm not talking about the feelings associated with love. I'm talking about what love really is. Love does. Love is action. We have to work at that. But he doesn't have to because he doesn't have to work at love because he is love. He exists as love. My children are precious to me, but everybody's not precious to me. I love everybody, but everybody's not precious to me. I I love all of you in this room, but you're not all just precious to me. My children are precious to me. My wife is precious to me. My, My mother and my grandmother, these people are precious to me. But everybody, Kevin Cobb is not precious to me. I love him. I love him. He's my brother in Christ. He's my friend. He's my sheriff for Pete's sake. I mean, he is, he's all these great things, but he's not. In fact, we will, we will, we'll road trip together sometime, just the two of us. So we may, I think this year we're even going to do an overnight road trip together for a little duck hunt or something. I'm sorry, two guys can't travel together and do overnight stays together and be precious to one another. It breaks the man code. You can't do it. I love him, but he's not precious to me. You can't do it. But my babies are precious to me. Don't worry, Kevin's got people that think he's precious, okay? So he's he's, he's got one sitting right by him right now. My babies, my children, they're precious to me. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you know how precious your children and your grandchildren are to you. And our good God, our good loving God, he looks at you and me with that same kind of love and even greater that a loving father does 
for his children. You are precious to God. He cares about you. He cares about us more than we even care about ourselves. In verse 11, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While I was speaking, while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling, Daniel said. So the first thing to remember when we're standing firm in our faith, we have to remember that God cares more about us than we care about ourselves. And the second thing is this, God is doing more than we can see or understand. God is always doing more than you and I could ever see or even understand, possibly understand. Verse 12, it says, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for, listen to this, from the first day, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. I have come because of your prayers. And it happened from the very first day. Since the very first day that you called out, since the very first day that you set yourself apart and said, I'm going to seek the Lord from that very first day, verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And, and behold, Michael, one of the chief priests came, uh, princes came to help me for I had, not, I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Let me just say to those today who have been praying for a long time about something, for those who have been praying so long that you wonder if it's even worth praying for anymore, those who have been praying so long and you hear that voice in the back of your head that keeps saying, why even bother? God doesn't even care about this situation. God, if God were going to do something, he would have already done it a long time ago. You're just, you, you've been praying and you're just wasting your breath. God's not listening and he's not going to do it. Maybe it's just not his will. And for those who have had those kind of voices playing in your head, here's, here's what I want us all to know and understand today. That the first time, the first time we prayed, God heard our cry. He heard our prayer the very first time we called out to him. There's those people that do those repetitious type of prayers and well it ain't happening so let me go pray for it again. Let me pray for it again. I guess there's nothing wrong with that but I want to tell you something. You're loving God. You don't have to keep asking him over and over and over again. He's not waiting for this quota of prayers to come through to meet the need. He heard you the very first time. The very first time we prayed for healing for that person that we love. God heard the prayer, the first time we prayed for our child and asked God to perform a miracle, the very first time God heard our prayer, the first time we prayed our good, loving God who loves us more than we love ourselves, he heard our prayer. The first time we call on him, heaven hears and heaven opens. The first time we cry out in faith, believing those heavens, they open up and God hears our prayer. The first time, the first time. He said in verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. For 21 days. How many days did Daniel fast and pray? It was 21 days. For 21 days, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Most Bible scholars believe, and I do as well, that this was actually a demonic force. We don't talk a lot about it around here. 
We don't get all spooky and all around here. In fact, one of the reasons we don't is just because we don't want to give the enemy more power than what he actually has, which is none. He was defeated at the cross. We know this. But, but the truth of the matter is, and we have to understand it, we cannot lose sight of the fact that spiritual warfare does and did actually exist. It is a real thing. What we have to remember is that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, wickedness in high places. There is a real thing called spiritual warfare. In other words, what we see with our eyes is not all there is. Don't ever believe that just what we see in the physical realm is all there is. I was so blessed a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Jeffrey Goodman was here and, and preached to us and that word that he gave us and all I could think about, I was thinking about the turmoil in our country and the division in our nation and our governmental leaders and, and, and the stuff that's going on in Washington and there's this aisle there, there's this, there's, this, uh, there's this aisle that they keep referring to and you're either on one side of the aisle or you're on the other side of the aisle and no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I'm not here to get on a political bandwagon today. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a liberal or a Republican or a conservative. It doesn't really matter. The bottom line is whichever side we're on, it seems like we are so fighting against the other side. They're evil. If you're a, if you're a liberal or a Democrat, you know, you believe that Trump is the Antichrist. If you're a, if you're a, if you're a conservative or Republican, you know, you believe that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all those are just the evil ones. Let me just remind you what Jeffrey shared with us and what came to us from the word of Jeremiah just a couple of weeks ago. Whatever side you're on, look at the other side and we must begin to pray for them. I don't mean God change them, God turn them around, God show them the right way, show them my way. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pray for their well-being where they are. Pray for God to bless them and prosper them where they are because guess what? Those flesh and blood individuals, they're not the enemy. They are puppets on a string from the enemy. It's a spiritual, it's a heavenly realm warfare that's going on. It's not here and now. We as the church of all people need to get a glimpse of that and get an understanding of that. Because if there's ever going to be a rescue, if there's ever going to be healing, if anything's ever really going to happen, it's going to come through the church of the living God. It's not going to happen on Capitol Hill. It's going to happen at Calvary's Hill. When people get an understanding and a revelation. So he said to Daniel, as soon as you started this 21-day fasting and prayer thing, I started doing battle on your behalf in the heavenly realm in that very moment. 21 days before. I went ahead and I left Michael, that archangel. I went ahead and left him to deal with that prince of Persia guy. And, and, and I came to you, Daniel. I came directly to you as an answer to your prayer. Here's what's so powerful to me. And this is what I want us to grab with all of our might today and, and hold on to. Daniel, for 21 days, he continued to pray. And he continued to pray some more. And he continued to pray some more. And throughout those days, what happened? What did he see? Nothing. Not a thing. Nothing happened. He didn't see anything. But just because he didn't see anything did not mean that God wasn't doing something. Just because he didn't see it didn't mean it wasn't working. No doubt there are those in this room today who have been praying for a long time and have been crying out to God and you haven't seen a thing. But just because we're not seeing anything doesn't mean that God's not doing something. The first time you cried out to God, the very first time you looked to Him, He dispatched and released angelic beings. He, he dispatched His heavenly host and they're doing warfare for you in a way that you and I could never even possibly understand. 
or see. So if that's you today, here's your word. Just keep standing. Just keep standing. Don't give up. Keep standing. I think about the, the story of Jehoshaphat's army in 2 Chronicles when, when the word of the Lord to them was go out and face your enemy. You're not going to have to fight in this battle. God's going to win the battle for you. God's going to fight this battle for you. It's already done. But you still have to go out and face a real enemy. And what does he say to him? He says, you tell them to stand. Stand, therefore, and watch the salvation of the Lord. I love how Paul describes and speaks of the armor of God in Ephesians 6 when he begins by saying, when you've done all you can do, you stand. You stand, therefore, taking up the armor of God. I love it. He says, above all, above all, the most important thing is the shield of faith. So while you're standing, stand in faith, even when you don't see the answer, even when there's a real enemy that's very intimidating, even when everything looks dark and, and there's nothing but gloom and doom everywhere, you stand in faith. You make a choice. You pour concrete, even when your feelings and your emotions and all the voices around you is telling you something different. You just stand. So that's our word today. Stand. Stand. Keep believing. We may not see anything right now, but we have, we have a God who loves us more than we love ourselves, and we are precious to him, and he's working on our behalf behind the scenes. He's doing things we cannot see and that we wouldn't understand. 21 days earlier when Daniel saw nothing, God was already working on his behalf because heaven heard his prayer the very first time, the very first time that he prayed. I'm reminded, I've referenced it many times, and I won't go into the details, I won't bore you with that today, but I'm reminded of one of those seasons, one of those moments in my own life. It was about 20 years ago, and it was a day early in December, and I was at a funeral in Birmingham, Alabama, and to give you a little background, I had gone through some very, very, I was going through some very, very tough times. I referenced it kind of just briefly last Sunday even. I, I, I don't know why it keeps kind of coming back to me, but I'm thinking about the faithfulness of God. And in that service, there was a 12 o'clock funeral service in a big old huge church, church that was seated about 2,500 people, but there was only about 250 people in the service. So we were all kind of gathered in the front. And it was a very, it was going to be a very lengthy church service, funeral service. There was 10 preachers, hear me, and 10 songs. The, the funeral ended up being three hours long. But about, some of you are like, woo, he was really dead. What? <laughs> he wasn't just a little dead, he was really dead. But um, it was about 45 minutes into that service. And because of everything that I was dealing with in my personal life, I was just like a, a volcano waiting to explode. Many of you know that feeling. When it seems like things are out of your control and you're trying to fix things and you're trying to manipulate things and you've prayed and prayed and prayed, it seems like nothing's happening. And it was in that moment that I was sitting there and even physically, you can't even sit still anymore. You're just, you're just shaking. And so about 45 minutes in, it was about 12.45, I got up and made the long trek through that church to get back to the restroom. I walk in this big, massive bathroom because it's a big church, big bathroom, and nobody was in there but me. And I just stood there in that, in that room and I began to call out to God, and I said, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't carry this weight anymore. And it was like I heard the Lord speak to me. I've never heard the audible voice of God ever, but sometimes you hear his voice, and it's louder than audible, if you know what I mean. It comes from within. And I heard the Lord speak into my spirit, and he says, you need to let it go. 
Today is the day. Today is the day that you let go and I take over. And I want to tell you something. In that moment, I released it. And I let it go. And it's like 10,000 pounds was lifted off of my shoulders. A weight that I'd been carrying. All of a sudden, I breathed in. I inhaled. And I felt like it was the first time even I had physically inhaled in months. It was this pain and this anxiety that was weighing on my heart and life. And I walked out of that restroom and back into that three-hour-long church service. And I said, God, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. I believe you're going to do a mighty miracle in my life. You're going to turn this situation around. And here's the problem. Here's where I messed up is that I heard the voice of God, and then I put all kinds of little additives to it. Aren't we all guilty of that a little bit? God will speak to us, and then we start trying to figure out what God's going to do. And we go ahead and make God's plans for him, and say, this is, this is how he's going to do it. He's going to work this out, and this is going to all play out. And so that whole trip home from Birmingham, I'm, I'm saying, this is what, oh God, God's fixing to do a mighty work. I, I can't wait to see the fireworks and the display. He spoke to me in that bathroom. Everything's fixing to change. He's fixing to turn it all around. Can I tell you something? I got home and the very next day, the very next day, it all crumbled. What was bad now went to worst. In fact, the worst, my worst fear came upon me. The very the thing I'd been fearing and worrying about and scared to death was going to happen actually happened. The next day, that's why I talk a lot about the what ifs. We always have these what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? And we let that fear get inside of us. Here's what I say. Go down the what if trail. Go ahead and do it. What if that happened? Well, then this would happen. Okay, then if that happened, what if? Then what, then what next? Well, then that would happen. Okay, then if that happened, then what next? And eventually, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, at the end of the day, we still have a faithful God who is with us and walking with us and keeping us and moving us to the next place and the next level that he has for us, no matter what the end result is of that. The what ifs. And so my greatest what if came up on me. And now I'm questioning, I'm saying, God, was that just emotion yesterday? Was, was that just me really wanting something so bad that I just believed in him? And, but was that really you? Was, and, and I couldn't deny the fact that it was God that met me. That was one of those paralyzing moments, if you will, in that bathroom in Birmingham, Alabama. Things went from bad to worse. In the next several weeks, it wasn't any better. It was a tough season. One of the toughest seasons of my entire life. As a matter of fact, where's Landy? Is he in here? He's back there. Landy and Stephanie will remember this. They hadn't been married very long. Or it's the year that I ruined Christmas. So let me, let me give you a little prep. Let me, let, me, let me build it up for you a little bit here. Last week I spoke about my mama and papa. I put the pictures on the, on the screen and all of that. And uh, so my grandfather, God loving, uh, this was his way of comforting me. This was his way of having empathy. This was all the love in his heart. This was his way of saying, Kevin, I love you and I'm with you. But we had had Christmas that year, and I'm going to tell you something, I, I put on a good face. I really do. I can smile. I can, I can you know, I can fake it till I make it, so to speak. And, uh, but the morning after Christmas, after we'd had all the big hoopla on Christmas, the next morning, stopped by my grandparents' house there in Jackson. My grandpa's sitting over in the corner drinking his cup of coffee like he always does. The only words he said to me was, Kevin, I hope you know you ruined Christmas for all of us this year. <laughs> so as if life wasn't bad enough for me already, now I've ruined Christmas. That was his way of saying, Kevin, we love you. We feel your pain, and we're with you through this season in your life. A few more weeks would pass, and it was the third Sunday in January, 
And I was on staff at a church in West Monroe, and I'm sitting there on the front row. That day, that particular day, we happened to have a guest preacher speaking that day. And, and to, just to be very honest with you, he's going to be with the Lord, God rest his soul, but he was a boring preacher, okay? He just, he went on and on and on and on. It was one of those, back then, there, we got out like we do here, usually around noon or so. Today, it'll be about one, but that's okay. We're, um, but this preacher... He just kept on, kept on, kept on. About 12.30, finally, he's wrapping it up. Now it's time for the altar call. So people come to the altar, and as a minister on staff, church, I'm in the altar, and I'm praying with people. And a little bit, a few minutes later, I felt, a, I felt someone come around me and grab me by the back from behind around my waist, and I could feel someone's face in my back, and I knew they were praying. I could feel the vibration of their praying, and and um, it was a sweet little lady, a mighty prayer warrior in our church by the name of Eva Joy Smith. And she was a sweet, sweet lady, a prayer warrior like none other. And she stood there for about five to ten minutes just praying, just praying. I felt it and I, I could feel that something was going on. And she finally turned me around. And keep in mind, at this point, I have now lost somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 40 pounds just over the last 40 days or so. I'd withered away to nothing. I, I hardly had clothes that would fit me. I was, in, I was in a dark, dark season and place. All of this weeks after God spoke to me in the bathroom, right? She turned me around and she says, Kevin, she says, I have a word for you. Can I give it to you? I said, absolutely. Give it to me. She says, today's the day. Today's the day that God dries your tears. Just as it was with Elijah. Today, today God says, today is the day that you stand up and you eat. He said, she said, you straighten your coat, you step up to the table of feasting, and you eat. Y'all remember when Piccadilly was in the mall? Well, we went to Piccadilly that day. I loaded that tray down. You know, the thing about Piccadilly is you think you're getting a lot of food, because it's just all on these little individual, little, but, but it's not really a lot. But I had a lot of food that day, and I started eating lunch that day, and I ate till I couldn't eat no more. And I said, oh my goodness, this is the first time. I've eaten more than about five bites at any setting. And that afternoon I went home, and it was the first afternoon in weeks that I had not cried and wept. It was the first day in weeks that I didn't feel that heaviness on me because of the season and the place that I was at and what I was going through and what all had just transpired in my life. And that afternoon I was thinking, could it be? Could it be? that God has finally done the work in my heart and in my life. So we go to church that night. That's back when we had Sunday night service. How many of you love Sunday night service? Three of you. That's why we don't have it here. Because <laughs> that's who would be here. You three would be here, and most of the time you wouldn't. You say that now, but then whenever we have it, you'll find an excuse. Brother Yaden, thank you, though. I know if you were here, you'd be here with me. I know. My goodness, I don't want to be here on Sunday night. What are you talking about? And if most pastors are honest, they don't want to either. <laughs> so I can have Jesus right at home. That night, I go to church. I'm sitting there in that same spot. It's the same boring preacher preaching. So I kind of tuned him out a little bit. I'm sorry. And as I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there thinking, this seems too good to be true. Could it really be? Could it really be that my burden has lifted? Could it be that my answer has come? Could it be that healing has happened in my heart? For the first time today, I ate a meal. For the first time today, I went through an entire day and didn't experience pain and heaviness and anguish in my heart and in my life. Could it possibly be? So then I sit there and I think about when everything fell apart. 
And I remember the date. I remember the date, that date in December. And I said, could it be? And so I, I, at that time, I was kind of into numbers. You know, you know, and, and there's this thing with numbers in the Bible. Things, every number has, has all kinds of significance to it throughout the Bible. 40 is a big number. 40 is the number of deliverance. 40 will be the number of years in the wilderness and deliverance for God's people. 40 is just a, it's a powerful number. In fact, the more, the more you see it, I'm not telling anybody to go chasing numbers. But, it, you know, you, you do these things when you're sitting listening to a boring preacher. You just start, start thinking about stuff like that. And so I, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I was doing the math, and I remember the day that everything fell apart in my life. I remember the day that I found myself sitting in a puddle of tears in my, in, in my, in my bedroom and wondering if my whole life and future that I had planned and hoped, believed, was now over with. And I remember that date, and I started doing the math. I started figuring up the days. I said, well, this day, and then I start calculating. And now on this day, this Sunday in January, I figured it up. It was 39 days. 39 days. And I thought, man, that's great. But wouldn't it have been cool? <laughs> I'm just one number away. Wouldn't it have been so cool if it had been 40 days? That's the number of deliver. That's God's big number. That's the number. And I'm sitting there over the next few moments, and then it hit me. And with this boring preacher preaching, I could have got up and ran in the church that day. In fact, I might do it right now. That would freak some of you out so bad. <laughs> and for some of you, you might get up and follow me. I don't know. It dawned on me. It wasn't the day my life fell apart. It was the day before. About 1245 in that funeral service in Birmingham, Alabama, and now, 40 days to the minute, God would allow a boring, long-winded preacher into the church to keep us well past the 12 o'clock hour into an altar service that would extend to about 1245 when God would deliver a word from a sweet lady and said, it's over. 40 days to the minute when God spoke to me in Birmingham, Alabama and said, I'm taking it from you. I'm going to do a work that you can't even imagine or understand. What I didn't realize when I was going through that dark hallway of 40 long days and nights that God was working even when I couldn't see it. Just because I didn't see anything did not mean that God wasn't doing something. If you don't see it happening right now, if the heaviness is still there right now, if it's still dark right now, if there's still more questions than there are answers, I want to tell you something. God heard you the first time you called out to him and he's working on your behalf so how do we keep standing firm in our faith number one we remember that he cares more about us than we care about ourselves number two we remember that he's always doing more than we can see or understand and finally and i'm closing with my third point god's strength is made perfect in our weakness god's strength is made perfect in our weakness. His strength, not ours, His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul writes and he speaks of how he pleaded with the Lord three times regarding this issue in his life, this, this thorn in the flesh as it's referred to. And the Lord's response to him was simply, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, my strength, God's strength is made perfect 
in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 9, he says, Therefore, therefore, I gladly, I will most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we come to the end of our strength, He takes over. When I have nothing left, that's when He steps in. Some of us, we've come to a place in our faith at times where we feel like we have nothing left. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, I don't even have another prayer to pray. I have nothing left. Where we feel like we're at the end of our rope. Can I just tell you that that is when we're our strongest when we're at the end of ourselves, that's when, we're our, that's when we're our strongest. Not of our power, not of our own power, but that's when His power becomes most real in our lives until we fully, until we come to a place where we fully embrace our weakness. We will never appreciate and experience His strength in our lives. When we recognize, I prayed, and I don't have any more to pray, and I physically don't have any more strength, and I'm at the end of myself, that's when his power becomes more real than ever before. That's when his power becomes the most real and evident in our lives. Until we embrace our weakness, we'll never fully understand and experience his strength in our lives. Verse 17, this is what Daniel says, for how can the servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. For some of us in this room, this verse right here just captured exactly where we are right now. My strength is gone. I've been praying for this marriage. I've been believing God for my kids. I've been fighting this financial battle. I've been believing for healing in my body and nothing's working. I just don't think I can go any further. My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Verse 18, I love, he comes back again. He does the same thing over again. This heavenly being, this pre-incarnate Christ comes and meets him. He says, then again, again, everybody say again. The one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. David said, when he touched me, when I felt his touch, I felt strength returning. When he touched my life, I felt strength returning. Don't miss the power of this. Not when I prayed hard enough. Not when I did all the right things. Whenever I finally stopped and let him touch my life. Not my strength, not my power. By his spirit. When he touched me strength began to return. For some of us, this is that moment. This is that word. This is our God moment. One touch. One touch and our faith is restored. One touch from the master and I'm coming back to Christ. One touch and now all of a sudden we're believing God for that thing that we stopped believing God for years ago. One touch and it's enough for me to keep going. One touch and my strength is returning. One touch by the hand of Christ and everything changes. I have no strength, but one touch from the master 
and I felt my strength returning. He says to Daniel in verse 19, and he says, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Fear has no place in the life of the believer. The Bible tells us that God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made unto God. And the God of all peace is going to surround your heart and mind, Christ Jesus. Don't be afraid. And in case you didn't hear it the first time, I'm going to tell you again, Daniel, you are a man greatly beloved. You are precious to God. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Daniel said, so when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. There's some folks in this room today, you're fixing to get your strength back. And it's not because of anything you did. You didn't will it. You didn't pray it. But because you said, God, I've come to the end of myself. I can't figure this thing out anymore. I can't worry about it anymore. I can't carry it anymore. I'm at the end of myself. And you're going to begin to have his strength renewed in your heart, in your life, in your spirit. I believe there will be even those who will physically feel it when they walk out today. It's a new strength. It's his strength. You can keep standing in faith because the first time you prayed, God heard your prayer and he released angelic forces to do work on your behalf in the heavenly realm. Let me just be real honest with you this morning. He may do exactly what you're praying for or he may not. It may all fall apart tomorrow. But just because we don't see anything doesn't mean he's not doing something. No doubt there will be those who will come to you and they'll look at you and they'll wonder and they'll ask the question, how are you still standing? How in the world are you still standing? How is it that you haven't given up yet? And that's when you're going to be able to reply and you're going to be able to say, because I've come to realize some things. I've come to realize that, number one, my God, my loving God, he calls me precious. And I'm, I mean more to him than I mean to myself. And number two, he's doing more that I can't see than I'll ever be able to understand in the natural. And number three, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And if they'll give you a little bit more listening ear, here's what you'll go on to say. I've embraced my weakness. Therefore, I've tapped into his strength. So when you see me walking, it's not me walking anymore. It's the strength and the power of God that's walking through me. If you see a smile on my face, it's not because all of my circumstances got turned around and I'm, I, every, I'm walking on cloud nine now. It's because he is smiling for me. It's his strength in me. It's not mine. And what you need to understand is, is I will continue to believe with everything that's in me because the first time I prayed, heaven heard my prayer. And if they're still listening to you after that, go ahead and tell them this too. And I will trust in God who is good all of the time and he loves me and he calls me precious and in everything he's doing he's always working in all things not in spite of all things but in the middle of all things he is working to bring good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose so that's how I continue to stand because just because I don't see anything doesn't mean it's not happening would you stand with me today? I want us to take a moment in the closing moments of this service today. Second service of 2020. 
I just believe that God wants to do a mighty work in some lives and hearts today. I really do. I believe that God can meet you right where you are. Maybe you've done all you can do to stand, and now literally all you can do is stand. I believe that God wants to meet you right where you are. He wants to meet us where we are. God is working all things together. He's working when we don't see what's working. We couldn't understand it. We wouldn't be able to comprehend it if we could see it. That's why we don't see it. God is working. So here's what we got to do. The only only thing that's, that's left up to us is to let it go. Give it to Him. Let go. He can meet you where you are, but we're also going to open this altar up today. And if you want to come and you want someone to stand with you and believe with you in prayer, whatever that may be in your life, we want you to come. We want to meet you. We want to pray with you. We want to believe God with you today. It's not going to be the same. You're not going to leave the same as you came today. You're going to leave transformed because an encounter with him and his glory and his power, it changes everything in our lives. Father, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your peace that you and you alone can bring. We thank you, God, that you love us with an unconditional love. You love us with a love that goes far beyond what our finite human minds can even comprehend. We thank you, God, that you call us precious today. I thank you, God, that you're working in areas in our lives, God, that we can't see and don't understand, but we trust you today, God. And I'm thankful, God, that when we've come to the end of who we are, when we've lost all of our physical and natural strength, God, that's when you are strong in our lives. And it's your strength that we want to walk in, God, not that of ourselves, God. So I thank you, God, for the moments when we come to the end of ourselves. I'm thankful for the moments when we can't figure it out anymore. I'm thankful for when, when we come to the moment when there's no other options. So it's in those moments and times when we look to you and your strength is made perfect in our lives. So bless today, God. Pour your, pour your spirit out into every heart and life that's hungry and longing to receive you today, God. Do a work, God. I pray for your miraculous work to begin to happen in every heart and life and home today. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. As they sing, these altars are open. You're welcome to come. We want to believe God with you today. Let's worship him for a little while this morning before we go home. In Jesus' name.
Anybody with me? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, have a great week. Be overcomers, followers of Jesus Christ. We'll see you back here next week. God bless you.